Hello, welcome to Foot Guns. It's Wasabi and uh, Hal69K and Cletus. And it's another emergency podcast. Things are happening. Markets are going crazy. But just in the minute before we sat down to record, I kind of had a, a realization. So Cletus, I think the last time we recorded, you were pretty confident that inflation had peaked and it was going to go down. Um, yep. And I think I, I think I figured out why that was not the case. And it's because you've been eating the kind of cheap gas station ice cream. And what happens in an inflationary environment is that they, instead of raising the price, they kind of whip that up full of air bubbles. So you're actually getting less product in your ice cream, but it's kind of hard to notice unless you're like really, really weighing it. So I think that's basically what's going on here. (laughs) I think inflation did come down right with the if you exclude energy or something, but it's a stupid thing anyway. But So, eventful day. Crypto is blowing up. I think we've got, uh, you know, the last couple of days we've seen news about Celsius, which is one of these um, kind of, they basically take in crypto assets like a centralized exchange, like a Coinbase or a... Um, Kraken, and then they do a bunch of DeFi and lending activities on the back end, and they have run into problems and stopped customer withdrawals. And basically, the word on the street is that they're in in serious trouble. And we've seen a bunch of sell-offs. I don't know what we're down twenty, thirty percent in Bitcoin and ETH over the last few days. So, Boomer, this morning you said uh, you were sorry, Cletus. We're going uh, long Ethereum. Are we at kind of like a local bottom here? Yeah, I thought so. It just looked oversold to me at uh, my entry price. I forgot. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, not very much, certainly. Um, None of this trade 500 lots uh, and that, you know, looking for a a short term sort sort of bounce. I think, I think your entry was 11, 11.36. That's what I see in the Discord, right? Yeah. What's the trade? Yeah, 11.36. What's the trade? It's at, uh, it's at 12.06. And um, our, I was just talking to our intern dog in some private chats, and he, he caught a tiny little short from 12.45 down to 12.00. But I don't know. I'm I'm not doing anything. I'm just I taking, sell, a, fucking, I taking a break. <laughs> I had a sell order at 20, uh, 12, 100 points up. So it must have gotten. Oh, started. so it probably, it probably sold then. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you have it. All right. End of podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, the markets <laughs> are crazy. And I mean, natural gas is down 15% today. Why? I don't know. No idea. I've, I've seen natural gas move a dollar in a 24 hour period like never. And it's now happened three times out of the last 20 trading sessions. This all to do with the uh, blow up in California? Um, I the the I don't know if there's one there was one in Texas um, with the LNG terminal. I I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. I thought, Which, to be clear, you had nothing to do with Cletus. Yes. You were nowhere near that area. No, of course, of course not. Long mostly because I was long, um, and uh, it's just unprecedented. It's just unprecedented moves and. You know, this is a really interesting question, which is you're always sort of the same person. You develop a personality, you develop a trading style. How do you identify when, you know, something that you've been working, it's been working for you, the markets change. I mean, 
you, you don't want to get into the thing where you're blaming the markets for your shitty trading, but it does so happen that markets start changing. I mean, you look at the average true range of the price of oil and it was like a dollar, you know, for the last, I don't know, 70 years. And now it's $6 a day. I mean, it moved $7 today. And so your strategy that counted on oil to move a dollar, maybe $2 a day, um, has to change and it has to change very quickly or you're going to get in some trouble. And so, um, that's one of the things we've been sitting around trying to work on is like, you know, with these new ranges and the stuff that we like to trade, um, I mean, after Nagas has done this three times, it's just become untradeable. I mean, you, you can't plan for dollar down moves. I mean, that's ten thousand dollars a contract. So you got twenty seven thousand dollars at risk. You're gonna lose ten. You're gonna lose thirty three percent. Yeah, I mean that. That's kind of why I stepped out a little bit and okay, blame the markets or whatever. But I was putting in the exact same trades and the exact same setups that have been working for me for couple years now and every single one of them was losing me money so it's just like okay well something has changed i don't know i I don't know if you call it like okay well now i'm bearish or whatnot but clearly the thing that i was doing that was working you know basically buying the dip sort of um uh you know is not working anymore and so i stepped out a little bit i wish i'd stepped out a little sooner um but yeah it's a it's a really weird environment i mean I've stared at altcoin charts for, I don't know, maybe a thousand plus hours, you know, on various altcoins. And um, now I'm just seeing, you know, commodities and the stocks and um, I don't know, even treasuries just moving around in like a really, really weird, exaggerated, volatile way um, compared to, you know, recent. I mean, you know, just go measure the... uh, Go measure the size of the candle on um, the the U.S. ten year for the last um, since two thousand eight, right? Like the biggest candle since two thousand eight, the yearly candle on the U.S. Uh, ten year is this year and two thousand eight. But this year it's going up, and two thousand eight is going down. Yeah. No. The question is, how quickly do you change, and do you do you either at that or do you just stop trading the asset and wait the asset, let the asset come back to doing, you know, the thing that got Yeah, the thing that you were used to. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm, I'm considering just moving the buy the dip strategy into the energy side of things and uh, applying it to natural gas because I think we're going structurally higher. The, you know arbitrage between U.S. and European natural gas prices is going to have to happen with U.S. going structurally higher in exports. I think this terminal thing is a short-term blip. And I would strongly considering, I don't have a futures account, but just kind of parking in one of these uh, leveraged natural gas ETFs for six months. Yeah, but those months. always lose because they, they of the seasonality. Um, the, they just melt money. Um, and I think they tried some fix to finally get you know, hedge funds to stop shorting the ETF and going along the futures. Um, but because of the seasonality, so natural gas trades higher prices in the winter than it does in the shoulder season, spring and fall. And um, if you actually look at LG exports, the differential or the, the margin on LG exports is actually pretty bad. And so, um, you know, 
U.S. natural gas has always been sort of a domestic consumption thing. That's why it doesn't really follow the dollars, why it kind of trades independently of oil. We call it honey badger because it don't care. Um, I mean, you know, ES can be down 5% and natural gas is up 10. Uh, crude can be down 10% and natural gas is up 10. It's its own little creature. And it's just, it's just weirdo world because 98% of people are spreading it. They're basically, they're basically saying it's a form of like synthetic storage where you, you know, sell it in the July and then buy it back in December and you reap a spread. And so you're trading flat price on natural gas. Like, like I do, it's, it's just, it's a lot more risky, but the payoff's a lot better. I just, it's become, untra- it's become untradeable. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, there's going to be a moment. You started to see it on the crack spread between crude and gasoline today, but there's going to be a moment where this is over and, um, oil can stay elevated. It can stay up hundred dollars a barrel for another year. But I mean, sort of the, the bull run in oil, gasoline, natural gas is sort of over and, you know, it's going to trade in a range. And I, I feel like we might have gotten there today. I mean, oil is still going down the after hours after getting to 123 and 117. It's a pretty big move. Um, gasoline fell apart today, second day in a row. So it kind of feels like, I don't know. What what's what is the reasoning behind the oil is over statement that you're making? Like, is it just a technical thing, or is this like a thesis no, on the fundamentals? Yeah, no, fundamentally, it's just become, it's just become like, there's no actual shortage. And we're trading it like shortage prices. It's like cotton in, in 2011 went to the price on inflation adjusted basis. It was higher than during the Civil War when cotton production um, ceased or cotton exports ceased. So um, <clears throat> eventually it went lock limit up and you couldn't get out of the trade and everybody lost all this money. But, um, and some people made some, but eventually it comes back down to earth and um, there's just no actual shortage and we're trading at prices that feel a lot like um, we're having actual shortage. Like, like people can't get gasoline. That's what this people always talk about the seventies inflation, this, that, and the other, that was an actual shortage. We had to, we had to go into gasoline rationing. Um, This is just these prices. Keep in mind, it's not that gasoline prices are high. Because they were this high almost in 2014, from 2010 to 2014. And the consumer did just fine. It's that we had artificially low gas prices, uh, gasoline, from 2015 through basically now. And so the American, that's not true of Europe, right? Where gasoline is always much more expensive. So um, diesel. So the... um, I think the energy is doing the job. The, 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 the danger, the real danger here to me is that energy and the increased energy inputs. And we talked this, about this a thousand times in the podcast. I mentioned it every time about cities research note that, you know, when oil prices went from 106, 15 and 14 to uh, 75, they're like, if this continues on for another year, it's a $2 trillion stimulus to the American economy. And so therefore, if we've gone the other way, we've sucked $2 trillion out of the economy and that's what the fed's trying to do so if you get you know a surprise 75 basis point hike on top of high energy inputs because the thing is the fed can't raising interest rates doesn't do shit to the price of gasoline and so um 
you know, I think I think that's the if the Fed is smart to me, um, they will recognize that energy is doing their job for them. Yeah, my only comment just from, you know, I make this cheat sheet every single day with the help of our of our intern now. Um, my only comment is just like, you know, we were tracking Luna from six dollars up to 120 and um I don't know, like the the charts just look just like Luna. That's all I have to say is just like the the current state of it looks like okay, it kind of looks like it wants to make some sort of run up for a final um top and whether or not that was yesterday or or today yeah. or it's going to be in a week. Um yeah, go ahead. Yeah, now if you're an old trader, you have to plan for every quarter no matter what the news is, no matter what happens, you have to plan for like a down 20% correction. Every quarter it happens to create. It happened. Um, we had incredibly bullish news on July 4th last year. OPEC couldn't reach an agreement and price went down $12, which was a big percentage move at that time because it was trading at 70 something. Then around Thanksgiving, we got a 16% down day. And then, um, of course, on the backside of the Ukraine situation, we went from 130 all the way down to 93. So if you're an old trader, you have to plan for everything going to hell at least one one quarter, which doesn't mean you can't buy it and rally higher. It's just that's part of the D. It's like it's like being a Bitcoin trader. If you're not, if your model doesn't include just every once in a while a thing going down 20%, then it's a bad model. Um, and so... That's fine, but with Nat Gas, a dollar, a, a dollar, Nat Gas is down a dollar thirty today. It's thirteen thousand dollars a contract. The other day it was down a dollar fifty, a fifteen thousand dollar contract. That's three of those things within twenty days that you would expect to happen, say, you know, once a year for Nat Gas. Yeah, that's pretty insane. I mean, that's what. Um... I don't know that you know my experience learning learning how to trade forever ago now um not really forever in other people's time but for me uh you know I think it's been more than 12 years um you know you introduced me to natural gas and I think it's a great lesson because the thing I mean even back then when I was I mean I remember I was trading at two bucks and it would still fly around wildly all over the place even if you you know somehow had a correct thesis on where it's going over the next year it's just such a hard thing to um you know just buy and hold or something like that you really have to trade it um on on really short time frames and holy shit yeah i i got the chart up now and um yeah i mean it kind of looks like a you know ethereum sell-off or whatever 16 percent in uh yeah. in a two-hour candle that's that's just insane yeah that, it's a classic bart though classic reverse bart it it is a it is a classic Bart. Yeah, now that, now that Bart's have become classic. <laughs> but do you do you adjust your strategy, or do you just wait for Nat Gas to come back to being something that you recognize? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, for me, obviously, I like reduce size of the trade because you're like, okay, well, I'm outside of my usual round but then yeah do you just cut it all off and just go to cash i mean probably just cut it all off and go to cash and wait till it comes back but um yeah i mean the the thing about this volatility though right is like short-term trades are just so nice if you can catch them right now yeah so what's new in crypto 
<laughs> we're just uh we're hanging on by a thread i mean uh there's a big uh there's a big blow up happening right now with all the celsius stuff we mentioned them earlier and um i think for me what's really happening in crypto is like market structure is getting tested right um we you know we sort of talked about this last year about how we thought you know dogecoin needed to die and um there's just all these cryptos that just don't make any sense. And, you know, this is not really good for Bitcoin because, um, you know, it it creates, you know, basically uncertainty and chaos in the market. And people buy the buy things that are worthless and then they lose a bunch of money and then they're pissed at crypto. Right. So, yeah, I think we're I think we're in the in the moment where everybody's um, pissed at crypto and a bunch of people lost money that came in and tried to buy in November and um you know, people that tried to buy any of these like, you know, worthless shit coins that are based on a picture of a dog are are hurting pretty bad right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think this Bitcoin story has changed. Like the network is fine. It's stronger than ever. All that kind of thing. It's it's really just like a, we're going through a, a market test of, you know, where should these things be priced? It's really hard to like argue oh, $20,000 Bitcoin is cheap Bitcoin because there really isn't a valuation model. Like we have the stock to flow thing um, and that, you know, whatever, but that's really new and untested. So I don't know if you can, I don't know. Like I, I, I as a math person, I think stock to flow is like intact as far as um, um, the model, but like what do you trade it here? Do you say, oh, 20K is the bottom because of stock to flow? I don't think that's a good... Um, good trade um yeah for me i'm just sort of like in dust settle mode where um i'm looking for any like short-term shorts i am looking for any short-term rallies um but mainly being a little bit more like risk off than usual and holding more cash than usual let me let me ask both both of you this is there a number for bitcoin where you would consider going basically like 100 percent of net worth like a stupidly ridiculous no-brainer and that's only a question for for boomer because i did that higher uh, higher than here probably higher than here actually um if it's in a you know rally mode um but my big thing has been and how and i talked about this last night all right so to me the whole bitcoin market is incredibly distorted because these per future contracts which are you know basically synthetic Bitcoin and because there's no such whole idea of futures contracts is they expire. And so if you have a perp futures contract and you've got a, you know, another form of Bitcoin that gets added to the volume every day, which makes it look like a much more liquid asset than it really is. So you've got, you know, different markets, even for Bitcoin, you've got physical Bitcoin, you've got all this perp contract stuff. The perp contract stuff is completely unregulated and take place offshore. And we don't know much about those market participants. Like we have people hate regulation and all this. You, have, you know, the commuters, commuters, ah, commodity futures and uh, trading commission on Gary Gensler and they hate all that. But the thing is that we know who's trading this stuff in the United States. Like I, I have to report every week my positions and um, they know who I am. They know where to find me. We have things like position limits and we have things against um, – Laws against spoofing and certain algorithmic trading practices. That doesn't exist for Bitfinex or FTX or any of the offshore guys. So, you know, 
if 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 I could find out that all those guys, whoever they are, is a non-American fund, whoever's been trading this stuff, um, the perp contracts, had gotten their ass kicked so bad uh, over the last this you know major down move that they're just you know insolvent and they're out of the market. And we get rid of these weird derivatives because it, remember we talked about cross collateralization, how I thought crypto was not systemic to TradFi because there's no cross collateralization. Nothing, you know, a mortgage is not collateralized by Bitcoin. Therefore, you know, the housing market is not going to drop based on the price of Bitcoin. And the thing is, is that what we learned in 0809 was everything was cross defaulted. Uh, in mortgage-backed securities, collateralized debt obligations, loans, securitized debt. And um, in crypto, that's like 10 times cross-collateralized as what caused the housing crisis. So you've got, you know, this backed by Bitcoin, which is a version of this part of Bitcoin, which is a version of this, which takes place on Ethereum. It's so, the, the irony is DeFi, which is supposed to be decentralized is the most connected cross collateralized financial system that's ever been created. So it's got the most risk inside of itself. It's supposed to have the least risk because there's supposed to be no regulators and you can go do it all on your own. It's decentralized. What wound up happening with these stupid fucking per future contracts, which you can only do abroad because they're stupid, um, is that these perp idiots can drag the price of Bitcoin down, which drags the price of all their good stuff down like Badger. What was that last last part there? <laughs> what was it? My phone vibrating. But, 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 <laughs> good timing. But you just gotta you gotta understand you're dealing with the most what was called cross default and cross collateralized. So it's when you take one piece of collateral that that gets used for multiple different types of uh, uh, liquidity. So one piece of collateral that gets lent out in different ways. Then you have synthetic collateral, synthetic derivatives piled on top of that. And then all this other kind of stuff. So one of Dodd-Frank reforms is to get rid of a lot of that cross collateralization so that the risk could be quarantined. And so banks could side pocket things like mortgage bank, mortgage-backed securities and energy loans and all this other kind of stuff. And that just doesn't exist in crypto. So it's all one big thing. You can't avoid being exposed to these perp assholes. And if they're all gone, if they're all just like, you know, they're all weird people trading in third world countries, offense to weird people in third world countries. But, you know, if they're all weird sort of shattery figures and they've all just lost all their money, then I love Bitcoin. And, and if there's some way somebody could give me that information, I don't care what the price is. I don't care if it's $700 or $700,000. If the fucked up people are out of this shit, I would put all my money in it. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, I mean, maybe there's like on-chain ways to track certain no, things or whatever. But... Not, they're, they're not on-chain. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, don't they? I mean, yeah, I guess that's the thing. That they blow up, they're out of here. Um, I don't. I doubt um, I doubt Bitfinex or like Binance or FTX but is, is Coin reporting But CoinGecko reports their participation as if it's real Bitcoin volume. And it's not. Yeah, so yeah, just, yeah. The cross-collateralization, you just got to realize that when you're in, you're in that, the, 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 the DeFi is a, if, if you were here, if you're here, 
for decentralized finance, meaning 0809 bothered you, Fed interest rate policy bothers you, whatever bothers you. And you're here because you want sort of a separate bucket of risk and a separate type of player. You're not getting that. You're getting something that looks like Wall Street in 2008 on crack. Yeah, I I, I agree completely. <laughs> Wasabi? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, I would tend to argue that the issue comes when there's a mixture. There's this on-chain stuff. You can see positions that wallets have. You can see their liquidation points. You can see all all this. And that's all very cool and transparent and something that's that's new. Um, but then you have this backroom deal of the, you know, OTC desks and the uh, perps, you know, off-chain trading and all this stuff. And that's the it's majority ver- of the volume. And so DeFi is really that first bucket, right? It's the problem that there's like it's the, the similar thing with Celsius where they took in money as if it was this easy to use fintech and they were kind of exposing their customers to risks of DeFi. And one of the main risks of DeFi is, is being illiquid, right? So they had a bunch of ETH that was parked earning yield and what was thought to be a safe contract, but that was for something that would only be unlockable after the merge. So that has this, you know, long duration aspect to it. So if if I'm taking in assets to and, and putting them in this, this illiquid position, then it's kind of natural that if that tries to run in reverse, that they're going to be in trouble, right? Because these these things are locked up, and you know, if you're giving customers the ability to withdraw whenever, like that's just kind of a recipe for a for a fire fire sale. So um, I don't know if DeFi is really the the issue, but more this kind of like shadowy mixture of the two, or the the yeah, centralized aspects of it. The thing is, you, you can't get away from it. It's like, it's like the 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 you can't get away from the 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 perp weirdos. You just can't. You, like it's it's like a you know there's there's people the actual sort of and by the way on chain is not new. We've had position reports available every Friday from commuters, commodity futures commission trading, which tells you how many. Producers and merchants are long and short, and how many specs are long and short, and how many how many numbers are of traders in each category. That stuff is monitored, and it's been monitored for like 30 years. So we've had transparency into financial products uh, available to the public for quite some time. And um, but the, the the thing is, is that all I'm saying is, is that the price of Bitcoin, fake Bitcoin, perp Bitcoin. It's not the same price as real Bitcoin, physical Bitcoin. And you, th- this is true of commodities as well, to make an analogy or whatever, but that the, you know, the price, the cash price for natural gas for delivery in Chicago today is not the same as natural gas futures for delivery in, you know, six months in Louisiana. So um, to some extent, this already exists in the futures market, but there's nothing, there's nothing called perps. Because if there were perps, and those would be cash derivatives, so there would be like two functioning cash derivatives side by side with each other. And so how would you know which Chicago gate contract you're even purchasing? Because it would all be, you know, physical, and um, it's just like, it's, 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 this is the real, we, you've just found out the real problem with crypto. 
and that's cross collateralization and the perps. And if you but want- isn't it isn't it more again just like to push back like towards like what Wasabi is saying is it's not the it's not the issue with crypto it's the issue with tying crypto into the traditional finance system. It's that you you create a tool for people to go abuse things that they want, like they've already been banned from doing. But the crypto itself like works fine in the sense that it allows you to do these bad things. It's the people that are, are doing the bad things that are causing the issue. Not to, not to me. You, to me, you've got something that's more 10 times more TradFi than TradFi is what I'm trying to say. So you, you are basically, you are basically decentralized finance unless you do it in a really weird way. And the good guys, what I would call the good guys, in it for the tech, um, you know, on the discords, we know a lot of them, you know, you know, you know more than I do, obviously, but they're good people and um, they want to create a better world and they, they want people to become less reliant on Wall Street banks. They want to have people banked in the third world who can't get bank accounts from their because they live in authoritarian countries, blah, blah, blah. They're good people. They're really fucking good people. It's just they're in a system with systemic risk where they are irrevocably and impossibly tied to something that looks like a lot like TradFi in 2008. So do you see like, uh, I mean, for you, so I'm hearing from you, it's just like the perps have to go, but yeah, like the they, perp, have the, they have to go yeah. or they have to be regulated one or the other. It's just, you can't have, you cannot imagine the confusion if a farmer would have or agribusiness, there's not that many farmers left or whatever, but imagine the confusion a farmer would have if, if there were two things, there were, there was a grain future that you could lock in your profits and deliver your grain to someone in September. And then there's a second thing that looked exactly like that but it never expired. Yeah, that's you weird. Would be, you would be a very confused farmer. And so that's, that's, that's what you've got with crypto. You've got these, these parallel universes of um, the price of Bitcoin is determined by something that's not Bitcoin. And if everything leads back to Bitcoin, then that's who's dragging you down. So these people, bottom line, these perp people and need to be taken out back and shot. And whether that comes from, um, you know, this is where the United States could step in and be the, le- the actual leader in crypto. We've seen all this bullshit head fake stuff at El Salvador, all these other countries. And, you know, New York City, Bitcoin's welcome, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is where the U.S. could really step up and be the leader and say, you know what? The true price of Bitcoin is we're going to have a physical uh, Bitcoin product and we're going to have big regulated Bitcoin futures like on the CME, which we already have. And um, we're going to be the, the guardians of the physical market. I think you could make that same argument. I mean, I've always thought it was weird. I listened to one of the uh, kind of like financial history courses by Robert Schiller, which is really good. And he was talking about the development of just the futures market in general and how it started with this very legit and cool thing. So farmers can hedge their uh, you know, prices of their crops or, you know, energy, all very legitimate business uses. But then the idea that you would want to introduce futures just so that people can speculate on the future of stock prices, which already trade in a very liquid market at a certain time, like that is basically the the mapping of this uh, trading and speculating vehicle onto the market of 
ownership and company shares just for pure kind of like satisfying the needs of speculation and hedging during during off hours. So I think you could argue that the oh, introduction more than that though. The if introduction. Stock, if you want to do stock indices features, first of all, they result in delivery. If you hold them till the very end, you take delivery of the actual shares. And so there's an actual thing. They track back to the actual price of the S&P. Um, so they're not just a derivative. They're not a fake S&P. They are a basket of uh, S&P futures for delivery in the future. And uh, that's that's a big difference. Anyway, I think I sort of made my point. I feel like hammering it. Um, it's just uh, I, I'm just seeing the the the. the People are going to do a lot of analysis on technical analysis. They're going to do a lot of analysis on on-chain. They're going to do a lot of analysis on regulation. They're going to blame, I don't know, the administration. They're going to blame Congress. They're going to blame all these people. But you, you, you're not going to get out of the trap until the, the majority of the volume and asset that you're trading isn't real or becomes real, rather. Sorry. <laughs> What's going on with Japan? Everybody keeps making fun of the Japanese uh, central bank uh, for not tightening in line. The yen is just, I mean, it's kind of sort of out of control. It's a very crowded trade. Um, it uh, it becomes, um, uh, you know, like I've, I've been saying, the dollar has become dangerously high against other currencies, and the, the yen is dangerously weak. Um, but the Japanese secretly like it because... Your stock market goes up when the value of the currency goes down, and then your exports become more competitive, right? And that's one of the things that would be really good for the United States economy is a weaker dollar, so our exports become more competitive. Um, that was all theory behind quantitative easing the first time. Um, and so uh, Bank of Japan, like central bank policy, is not something I follow that closely, but everybody's just kind of been laughing. Like, you know, there's, you know, the U.S. is doing all this stuff for inflation. The ECB has now stepped up. Uh, the RBA in Australia, all these other um, central banks tightening. Even Ukraine did some tightening. They're in the middle of their getting getting fucked by Russia and um, to try to bring inflation under control. And the Japanese central bank just seems to be like doing nothing. So, you know, um, I'm pretty bullish to equities. I'm pretty bullish. You know, they say that you're nobody in global macro until you lost money shorting Japanese bonds. I mean, there's physically no way that they can repay them, but they still just go up. And so, you know, every three years, some hedge fund managers like, I know I'm going to short Japan and they always die. And so you're shorting Japan right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm just very confused on the Australian dollar. I, I don't get it. Australia is a better company than we do. Inflation levels half of what ours is. They are the breadbasket for China and the Australian dollar did what I wanted to do, and then I stayed in the trade a little bit too long, and I can't figure it out. The last time copper, coal, and oil were this high, the Australian dollar is 1.3 to the U.S. dollar. It's now 0.7. And so on a fundamental basis, the chart looks kind of eh, and it did go down to 0.5 at the COVID lows, but it's just sort of how do you have that good of an economy with 3.2% unemployment and Basically, our economy with half the inflation and a commodity story um, and have the the dollar currency of that country be at a, you know, 36% discount to the U.S. dollar. Makes no sense. Dollar milkshake theory. 
Are you familiar with that? Have guy? you yeah, have you heard of that boomer? Yeah. What's your are you do you buy it? Do you not buy it? I feel like the dollar milkshake theory is like basically like the Bitcoin maxi theory for I for think dollars. Boomer he's a no shaker. I just I I think that I tend to be more technical on currency traders and think that central bank intervention doesn't really matter in the long run, with the exception of the US Fed. But even still, the Fed people I've never seen a market that focuses so much on the Fed like this. I mean it's it's like on the one I mean there's so many conflicting signals out there right now. I usually try to match up the um, you know, the data with what's going on around me. And um, there's, you know, I flew out of uh, Asheville Airport to get out of here to New Mexico, and it was, the parking lot was full for the first time ever. They didn't know what to do. And so they're all, the airports are super crowded. Everyone's on vacation, yet you're starting to see gasoline prices come down. Um, and you're starting to see data that, you know, we're worried about a global growth scare and particularly a U.S. growth scare. Target has too much inventory and Walmart has too much inventory. Okay, whatever. Um, at the mean, you know, and then you keep sort of going around and you look and you see nothing but people spending money. So what's going on? Yeah, it is a little bit weird. I mean, um, gas prices down here are at $6. They were at $2 when I got here two years ago. Um, and I don't know, I just don't see any difference in the amount of people that are going out and doing the same thing. Um, somebody actually was bragging to me about how they, you know, got a plane ticket that was going to be $2,000 for $1,600 or something, you know, I was just like, okay, well, I guess uh, there's still an attitude for spending. I, I mean, I did see some data saying that like, you know, uh, consumer credit was, skyrocketing and uh savings were plummeting so you know maybe this is just the last hurrah or something like that and everyone's predicting that going into the fall um people aren't going to run out of money to spend there's polling you know that shows the majority of americans think we're in a recession which by the way is not the worst thing ever it just means two consecutive quarters of negative gdp and it's like what is you know our whole economy is based on infinite growth which is not a thing. I mean, you can only put up so many Home Depots and create so many suburbs to so many cities. And I think the people who've gained in wealth the most, sort of an untold story of COVID and the stimulus, are middle management to upper middle management. And um, those people got rich for the first time. Like, they had more money than they ever thought they'd get. And sort of the working poor got a little bit of a raise, and rich people got way richer as always. But the, the new class of people are like systems analysts, middle management at, you know, quality assurance people at engineering places, you know, whatever. Those people, those people have a whole new ability to spend money that they didn't have. And they all refinance their mortgages to an incredibly low rate. And the mortgage rate is doubled. They're willing to pay much more for houses and, and, also, there's all these work from home people who are like, hey, I can just work from home for the rest of my life. And so I moved off to this weird location. I, I just need the internet. If the economy contracts, I'm not so sure that's true. So that house that you bought out in Santa Fe or something because your job was in Los Angeles, I think you might get stranded in Santa Fe is what I'm trying to say. And so if we do see a contraction and and, and we do see stagflation and we do see the um, unemployment um, rise, then I think there's going to be a lot of these sort of 
work from home people who got cheap mortgages and um, thought they could just work them from the internet who just don't have jobs and they're stuck with mortgages they can't repay. Speaking of that, has the uh, foot guns, uh, $200,000 PPP loan been forgiven yet? Did that come through? <laughs> we never had enough money to, to qualify for $200,000. Yeah. Too bad we didn't, uh, too bad we didn't launch a year earlier, right? And catch that COVID airdrop. really good well so i've got a hard stop um and so uh if you'll let me bounce um but i think look the net takeaway if you're listening to this and you're trading or you're exposed to the market any market right now and that is this is probably not a place to buy i mean when bitcoin did its first off i went on the discord and i was just like just from a trader perspective, do not touch this. You know, I think it was the first 15 down 15% day or whatever. And just, you know, all the old adages about catching a falling knife, which is, by the way, entirely possible when you make a ton of money doing it. But it's it's harder. It just has a higher, a lower probability. Just remember that a couple of things. Number one, that the market can remain irrational far longer than you can remain solvent. Number two, things can go farther than you ever thought in either direction, both both up and down. And um, um, number three, if Bitcoin is going to go to 100,000, you got all the time in the world, brother. You know, wait and buy at 60,000. <laughs> no, no need to try to sort of find a bottom here. And number four, the thing that you've been, the whole theory that you're operating on after, so Footgun started about a year ago. And I had certain theories about crypto. It was kind of a little bit weird, but I trust Hal. Hal's very smart. And uh, so there's got to be something to it. And the, the biggest thing I've learned about is market structure as it relates to TradFi. And I just can't emphasize enough that cross-collateralization. And until that's solved, I think it's going to be hard to trust. The, the, the reason people give that you know, crypto is hard to trust, that it's a Ponzi, no. Uh, that, you know, you have things like Terra Luna, whatever, stable coins, whatever. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that everything leads back to Bitcoin and all these derivatives lead back to Bitcoin. And yes, you can make you can make a case that you could carve out this little sliver of DeFi for yourself that's not exposed to that. But you'd have to work so hard to get to that place, it's almost not even worth it. And so, you know, it's just not the decentralized sort of a utopian world that Bankless likes to project, it's not real. In fact, it's eight times worse than TradFi was in 2008, which is the worst I've ever seen it. So just be careful about that. That's my, those are my key takeaways. And um, I think they're constructive. I think, you know, not constructive things to say right now are, you know, um, the damn regulators, the damn, I don't know, something I mean, i'm sure there's tons of hot takes floating around the internet that don't really even consider the market structure or the market yeah well so just before you go then i i will say that it sounds to me like you found our our wall of worry right like which is how you know how does bitcoin get to 100k it fixes its its market structure and and that's that's what you know we should be paying attention to yeah. i've seen uh other fuckers today on crypto Twitter calling for 
regulation to save the industry as the as the thing that's necessary for crypto to start going back up. I mean, I think that which, that's that's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah, no, I know that that's how bad things are, right? Uh, but 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 I think that's kind of what I'm saying, and 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 we're we're actually at an intellectually honest point where the United States can step in and say we want to be the world's leader in cryptocurrency, and so we're going to do things like you know uh, have it under the umbrage. And you know you're finding it's just like foreign currencies. There's no centralized exchange for that. But um, you know, so you're free to go trade your Bitcoin perp shit all you want to, but we'll maintain a regular market for Bitcoin physical, you know, and we'll have a, a real exchange, not a fucking VC, you know, wet dream, direct listing Coinbase. Um, we'll have you know something that looks like CME or CME or whatever. You know, we'll have we'll we'll have a, a reliable place for you to do your crypto activities that will be more regulated than these these perp things. And I think this is the perfect time for the U.S. to step up and do that. I hope they do. I hope we do. I hope we do. I'm gonna fork the uh, Treasury Direct website. I really like they they have like a good kind of crypto OG curve aesthetic. Extremely horrible user experience. It looks like it was made in like MS DOS 1999. That's some hot. That's a hot look. All right. Well, um, yeah. I mean, we can wrap it up. I don't. I don't have much else to say other than you know, I'm I'm being really patient here, and I'm not too worried as far as like, is Bitcoin going to die or whatever. But yeah, just just curious and focused on this this market structure stuff, um, like you are. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me, and I will see you later this week. Cheers. Later.